welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. We're starting a new series called The Secret 2A and we fill in the blank. This Sunday morning, it's going to be The Secret to a Blessed Family. The secret to a blessed family. It's a strong topic. It's a necessary topic. But if you love your family, well, how many of you are part of a family? We're all part of a family, right? And, and we all have different relationships in our life. But, but family is the most important thing to us. Um, church family, number one, is also important to us. In fact, family is one of our values in this church. It's what we value. When all hell breaks loose in your life, when everything is gone, when people fail you, your family will always be there for you. Or they should. And if yours wasn't, that doesn't mean you can't be there for your offspring. And maybe you didn't have the best examples. Maybe you weren't raised in church. It's okay. If you're the first generation of believers in your family, then you are going to set the tone. And your children's children's children will be blessed. And they won't have to ever see the cycle of addictions repeated in your family. How many of you believe that? Jesus came to destroy the works of who? Say it. The devil. Don't be afraid. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And a lot of things that happen in our life, we let. But when you choose and you make a decision in your family, things change. And you choose to, you choose to follow him. Joshua 24, 11 through 18 says, and you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. He's speaking to Israel and the leaders. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Parasites, the Perizzites, excuse me, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you. I believe that word hornet, uh, when, when most scholars and commentaries explain this portion of Scripture and you look it up, it was reference to the enemies, the armies of Egypt and those that were outside of the camp of their enemies that came to help them. So he goes on further and expounds on that. He says in verse 12, And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your own sword or bow. I give you a land on which you had not labored, cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You're living in them now, and you eat the fruit of the vineyards, the olive orchards, and, and that you did not even plant. You're enjoying all these things. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity, insincerity, and in faithfulness. Someone say faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river 
and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Put away the gods, small g, that your forefathers worshipped when they were in Egypt. Now, symbolically for us, Egypt is an old place of sin for us, right? How many of you know that because you're the spiritual Israel of God, God brought you out of a spiritual Egypt? In other words, he brought you out of sin, an old lifestyle, old habits, old company. And God brought you out for a reason. And then God began to bless you. How many of you have experienced the blessings of God in your life so far? And you know that God is real. And verse 15 says, and, and if it's evil, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day. Choose this day. Make up your mind this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers, the gods that your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in the, whose land you dwell. Because there were still pockets of enemies that were still around. God took care of the main strongholds within that promised land, but they were still peppered around and scattered around little pockets. And they're there, and they're still going to be able to influence them. But Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. It is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in a way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples and the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. That's what they said. They said, you don't have to worry about us. We're going to serve the Lord. We remember, we remember this is what he did for us. Now, now keep in mind in this portion of Scripture, if you've ever read Joshua chapter 23 and Joshua chapter 24, it is one of the places where Joshua is literally given his, his last speech, if you will, before he passes. But he's not giving it to all of Israel. He's given it to all the leaders and the elders of Israel. He called all the leaders in to stand in front of him to make them realize that they are the ones, that the leaders, the elders, the people, the heads of the family, they're the ones that he needs for them to make up their minds. Because if the leaders will make up their minds that they are going to commit to God, then the rest of the people are going to follow. That's how God works. God's anointing flows from the top and goes down to the bottom. And I think the same principle applies to us today in the church. Every head of the household is responsible for making the decision. All heads of the household are responsible for making the decision and understanding the secret to a blessed family is making a declaration like Joshua 
Maybe not in words to the whole world, but by action, by simply making the statement through your life, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How many of you feel that way this Sunday morning? Repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, bless this word. Lord Jesus, let my heart receive it today and change lives. Amen. One more time, give him a shout. Give him a gratitude of, of praise. Thank you, Father. Turn around to somebody and look at them and tell them you, your family is blessed because of God. Your family is blessed because of God. And you can be seated this Sunday morning after you do that. Thank you for being here. Um, family is a very important subject to me and, and, and all of you as well. Uh, without family, nothing is worth doing. Nothing is worth living for. Uh, we all work hard because of our families. We all work hard because of those that we're providing for in our lives. Um, mamas pray for their babies. Daddies pray for God's provision many times and for the families. Uh, it is a corporate effort. It, it, it does take a village in the sense, if you will, to raise a child. You know, it, it, thank God for grandparents. I thank God for, for my grandparents when they were alive, but I thank God for my in-laws. I thank God for every time we needed someone, someone was there to help us. And there are certain criteria that you have. I think we are all picky at one point in our life or even now with grandchildren or your children of who you leave your child with, what kind of environment they're in. I don't think if you, um, maybe you're not in that circumstance right now, but, but quite honestly, that has never stopped in my life when it comes to whoever falls under the category of my responsibilities. Number one, my responsibility is to Jesus. Then following after me, my responsibility is my wife. And then my children. And then the church family. But there's a secret to seeing the blessings of God trickle down, cascade itself down into our lives. I don't want just to have things, just to have toys. Man, you know what I'm talking about. My whole goal in life isn't to complete my tool set in a shed. It isn't. I think it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't fight somebody if they told me they're going to go buy me some new tools. I'm not going to fight anybody. I'm going to say, let the Lord lead you and let the Lord guide you. And may he bless you. I, I don't think any woman, any lady, excuse me, because there's a difference between a woman and a lady. I don't think there's any lady in here that would say that their whole goal in life is to have every pair of shoe that matches their wardrobe. It's a great goal. It's fun. But that's not what you live for. Because I know mamas, 
Mamas will sacrifice a new pair of shoes just so their children can eat lunch at school. At least they should, right? Family comes first, not our things. Things will not make you happy. Things will not make you happy. There are people in this world that are super rich, sick rich, and they're still unhappy. It's relationships. All that matters to me are the people in my life, not the things in my life. They fade away. <laughs> they rust. They break down. But people, we're going to spend eternity with our families. But I want my family to be blessed before we get to that blessed place. I need my family to be blessed. I need to know that when I leave this world, that my children will have the same anointing or better anointing, double anointing, favor, if I have any kind of favor in my life. Now, think about you, but let me talk about me, then we'll talk about you. If I have any kind of favor in my life, I pray that my children have double the portion if I have had any angels that have been with me for warfare, battle, provision, networking, whatever it may be, I pray that my children have double. And I pray that my life would be like David's, where David may not have been able to build the temple, but he provided all of the material, thwarted off all of the enemies took care of all the adversaries, and Solomon was left with the capability of building the strongest kingdom, a bigger kingdom, a more fascinating and a more majestic type scene for royalty to be established throughout the region where even the queens and kings came from a distance to see and to hear of the wisdom of Solomon and all that its pomp and all of its glory and all that was there attributed to the blessings of God. But if it wasn't for a man called David who learned how to pray and worship and fight off and wasn't ashamed to worship God in public and wasn't ashamed to take a stand for God, uh, then, then Solomon would have never, ever had had the opportunity to become great or be called the wisest man that ever lived in this world. The wisest man outside of Jesus Christ. King Solomon was known as one of the greatest kings, the most blessed. And so Joshua, in the beginning of this chapter, he's calling a meeting. If you're looking at my notes, there's a misprint in there that says he's calling a beating. <laughs> Forgive the typos on my sermon. With all the elders... Calls a meeting with all the elders. He's getting everyone together, and he is making his final call, and he's simply telling them, listen, in layman's terms, chapter 24, he's telling him, listen, I'm about to depart from this world, and, and I have to know, I have to know that your heart is set that you're going to carry on the legacy, that you are going to continue to do what God's called you to do. I have to know, and, and you have to realize, don't forget, 
Because Joshua went back all the way to Abraham and Abraham's father. Joshua went all the way back to the beginning of when God made a promise. God had made a promise to Abraham. He went and made a promise to Isaac. He made a promise to all to Jacob. He went down and, and it followed the lineage. And God brought him out of Egypt. And God destroyed Egyptians in the Red Sea. And he provided for them in the wilderness. They went through a, 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 a 40 years of, of, I think was, I believe, was a process to get Egypt out of the hearts of the Israelites before they entered into a new promised land. And, and so now they're entering into a promised land. And the promised land was nothing more than just God keeping his word. To a man, to a man, listen to this now, to a man called Abraham whom they never met but heard of. In Abraham, he was intimidated at times. I mean, there was one portion of Scripture where he lied about his wife because he didn't want his life to be taken. But yet, he still, even though he made mistakes, because we're all, listen, every bit of every generation you find in the Scripture, all of them, none of them, I'm sorry, none of them were perfect. None of them were perfect. God isn't looking for us to be perfect. He is looking for us to have purpose, to be passionate about him. You can still be passionate and make mistakes. But every person in the scripture that God used in a strong way, they were committed and they were open about their faith and they stood up for what was right and they, they went through persecution themselves. They were outcasts to the world because they chose to follow the one almighty Elohim, the mighty God. And because of that kind of boldness and strength that they exuded from their life, it was that that caused the next generation to carry the baton the next generation to carry on what was started. The next generation to see through what they had begun. And, and, and Joshua was trying to convey this to them. He was trying to tell them, don't forget what the Lord has done for you. Don't forget. And the elders replied because they were there. They saw these things. They saw them, and they told Joshua that he said, uh, they said, don't worry, we understand. We're never going to stop following after God. We're never going to stop serving him and obeying his commandments. We remember how he destroyed the Egyptians. We remember how he brought us out of Egypt. We remember in all the days of Joshua, the scripture says that he died in his hundreds. But all the days of Joshua, everyone was focused and they obeyed and walked in the blessings of God and enjoyed the land. The problem was, is that after that generation had passed, then they were influenced by all of the rest of those Amorites, Canaanites, Amorites, Canaanites were the same group of people. Amorites mean they were highlanders. Canaanites mean they were lowlanders. They were the same kind of people, same generation. But yet they influenced and they slipped in there. You know what I'm talking about, daddies? 
your greatest fears, who's going to be the first guy your daughter brings home? I talked to a mama right before church, and I said, maybe your son may find a honey one day. And, she, and mama goes, I don't know about that. I got to check her out first. I understand. Those are your babies, right? Because you know that as long as God is in there, God's going to protect. Now, I also want to state this and put this out here. Is that maybe you were in a circumstance where your marriage didn't work out. Or maybe you're in a, in a place where that person didn't love God and they left and maybe you were by yourself. After that place where you've given it all you've gotten and all you had, if you feel like you have no one, that's a lie from hell because Jesus right then and there by your relationship with him became your husband, your lover, your savior, and Jesus would never let you down. He will never let you down. I want to include that because we're talking about family today. But I don't want anyone to feel exempt from the fact that life happens. And anyone feel like, okay, I don't have a family. That's not true. First of all, look around you. You have a spiritual family in this house right now. Well, I don't know that that, Pastor Robbie. There's some funky people in this place. Give them a chance, first of all. The scripture says if you want to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly, yo. You got to show yourself friendly. You have a church family here. And you have the choice. But you are never alone. God is with you. God is on your side. God loves you. That was mo the most important thing to Joshua. He wanted to make sure that his offspring didn't go off and marry the wrong people or didn't go off and worship other gods and didn't give in to all the testings that were there. Because I'm telling you, it just takes one, one person or one, one Allah, I mean, I mean, just one thing to try to, one person to just wreck a family. But I'm going to tell you, to all you girls and boys that are picky, I'm going to encourage you, stay picky. I don't care. Mom and Dad, you may be mad at me because you want them out of the house, but I'm just going to tell all of you right now, you can, you can, you can email me later. I've, it's not the first or the last time I've got a bad email. I'm just going to tell you that... If they are picky, don't be upset with them for being picky. They just heard. They just know. They've been to church, and they understand that, you know what, this is for life, not just for a minute. I'm not going on a date. I'm going on a covenant. I'm going together. Let them be picky. I don't care. Let them be picky. Let them say, um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm just going to tell it to you right now. I feel like I need to stay here for a moment. Uh, girls, you want to know how that boy is going to treat you? Look how he treats his mama. I'm on a rabbit trail right now, but I'm going to tell you, thank God I just shot Bugs Bunny right between the ears. Guys, you want to know how that girl is going to act? Look how she treats her daddy. 
talks to her daddy. It's it just common sense. Someone told me one time, you want to know how the mama's, how, the, how, the, how, the, how your wife's going to look when she gets older? Look at the mama. I looked at my mama-in-law. It all looked good, so I'm thank God. I just said, <laughs> that's why I'm trying to lose weight right now so my boys can have a chance. <laughs> this is my dad. Hi. How you doing? He's good. He's good. He's real good. What is that going to do, right? You understand what I'm saying? Now, let me get, let me get to my real point. When I say be picky, I'm not talking about be picky, picky physically. I'm talking about spiritually. You must have a standard for the spiritual life of the people that you bring into your life. Must. So, mom and dads, grandpas and grandmas, your number one priority is to lead your family. But to make sure that when you're not here that they carry on the lessons and traditions. God told Israel, I want you to take my commandments and keep them on your doorpost. I want the generations to know. But if you're, if, if you're going to be the type of person where you're kind of, you're shy and you, you're embarrassed about what you believe, you're in church today, that's great, but remember, this is a closed environment. Don't compromise outside the environment. If you're going to live for God in the house, live for God outside of the house. It's so important because we can be bold in church and everyone say, God bless you. How you doing? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And when you get out there, things change when you're around people who don't believe just like you do. But I'm, I'm not trying to tell you to be, uh, be weird or talk Christianese to them. You know what Christianese is, right? Christianese is when you try talking like you do to church people, to other people who've never heard about God or don't know a thing about God, and you try to talk church talk to them, it's just not good. I mean, you know, be real, uh, but, but don't try to prove yourself to be religious. Here's the one point I'm going to drive home today, and the only point I hope you remember. When you stand for God, nothing can withstand Him. So it's not about... It's not about how strong you are how, or how bold you are more than it is your relationship towards him. How bold are you in that personal relationship? If the hierarchy of faith begins with Christ, then if you, the husband or the, the man is next according to God's word, then that gap, or if there's any gap, it needs to be closed it needs to be different than any other relationship you have. My number one priority, and I think this is my wife's priority for me, is to fall head over heels with Jesus Christ. My greatest, um, my greatest attribute, I think, as a husband to my wife is to make sure that I spiritually am there for her, that I love her as Christ loved the church, Right? Now, I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. 
But there's one thing I don't detour from, and that's the fact that we love Jesus with all of our heart. We ask God to forgive us. And yes, we do have arguments. We have fought. We have, we, we, you know, you understand what I'm saying, right? Nah, you thought I was going to say something worse. I just ran out of words to say. But the one thing we have never done is not forgiven. Because there's an anointing that's in our life that has to flow down to our children. There's an anointing that we can't allow to stop. So I pray that she stays in love with Jesus all the days of her life and all of our marriage. God comes first. God comes first. But I'm going to stand for God, not by trying to wear a T-shirt or a cross or anything that would give a sign of God. And because I found that, you know, you can wear paraphernalia, whatever you want to that represents the cross, but if you're not carrying one, it does you no good. But standing for God does not mean I go and step on somebody's toes for God. I'm not standing on someone's toes. I stand flat-footed in the place where God has called me to, to, to hold on to my convictions or to, to live for Him, to, to surrender to Him, to love Him, to adore Him, to, to make sure that every single day that I'm putting Him first. Let, let me kind of expound on this. Um, God has always chosen bold people. There's another typo there. It says bald men and women. Jesus. You want a good laugh? Download my sermon notes. <laughs> Download my sermon notes. I promise you, it'd be a great entertainment for you this afternoon. People whom the Spirit of God can flow through. People whom the Spirit of God can flow through. Bold people. Bold people. People who have a, a passion for Him. Boldness. Listen to this. The definition. Boldness is the willingness to take risk and act, and act with innovation. In other words, be a self-starter. Don't have someone try to always have to push you to do something because you're following the crowd. That means peer pressure. But boldness is confidence and courage. And courage is Acting with faith when you have fear. Courage is acting with faith when you still have fear. That's when you have courage. So, so you have to be bold and you have to, you have to know no matter what. Listen, people know who you are. They know you're at church today because you checked in. Did you not check in? Nobody checked in. You need to start checking in now because everybody... I'm messing with you. They know. They saw your, your, your Facebook post. Just went to the house of the Lord today. Praise God. I feel so good. I'm in God's house. C-L-C. cha They know who you are. The worst thing you can do is try to be something that you're not. You're not all that. Listen, why would you? I'm going to shoot it straight to you. Ready? We're fixing to go cornbread right now. 
Why would you cuss? Why would you say those things or act that way when you know that's not who you really are? You are a child of God. You ain't got to do all that just to fit in. You got to stand. Listen, no one's going to want to follow you like that. If you think you're a leader and you're walking and no one's behind you, you're not doing anything more than just taking a stroll. Look behind you. How many people can you say you are influencing that are following you? That are following you? Ryan, I'm so proud of you, dude. All on the front row, almost all of the front row has been Ryan's visitors to come. Come. Now, I, I pick on Ryan all the time because he's just fun to pick on. <laughs> Love picking on Ryan. But you see, Ryan Martinez, what you don't know about Ryan, Ryan stand up for a second, Ryan. Ryan. Now, Ryan's not perfect. We see his Facebook postings too. <laughs> but I know Ryan loves God. Ryan used to be a gang member. He was shot in the face with a 9mm and survived. Came out of the gang world. Started living for God. His best friend was shot and killed. And he got angry. But he's still here. And he's not ashamed. And I've seen him meet some of his people that he used to run around with in the past and, and tell them boldly he loves Jesus Christ. I've seen it. I've heard it. And, and I, 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 don't, I don't know, you know, where you're at. But the Bible says to whom, whoever has been forgiven much loves much. I remember the first time I got saved, I didn't do the right thing. I didn't do it right. I, I just didn't do it right. I've shared this story before. But when I first got saved, I was bold because I thought, man, my obligation is to go and win souls. So, man, I, I remember when God baptized me in the Spirit and I got a prayer language and I, and I spoke in tongues for the first time. I'll never forget it. I went up to everybody I, used, I knew. I went up to everyone and told them, man, I got the Holy Ghost. I walked up to one of my friends one time and said, I was just so innocent. I didn't know. I didn't, it didn't even fat. I, didn't, I had to grow. It was lack of wisdom but a lot of zeal. And, and I just looked at him. I said, man, I got the Holy Ghost, man. He looked at me and goes, well, good for you. And I said, I did. He didn't, and I thought maybe this guy don't believe me. I said, okay, you want to hear me speak in tongues? <laughs> he goes, I'm good. <laughs> I didn't know any better. That's not being bold. That's being dumb. I remember walking into my, my old best friend's house. The whole family was there, and they were all getting high. They were smoking bun bud. I remember. I wasn't raised in church, folks, so that offends you. I'm sorry, but look, I got to tell you, man, I didn't know any better, but I got a different high this time, and I was so excited, and I did something, and I did something. I walked into the middle of a party. I walked into the middle of a party. 
where everyone was getting high. They weren't even expecting me. They hadn't seen me in months and wondering where I was. I went MIA. But then I showed up one night with a Bible in my hand. I turned the lights on. I said, I want everybody to sit down. I told everybody. I want everybody to sit down. I opened up my Bible. And God said to them, you must be born again. I started reading the Bible to them and started telling them stuff. I'm going to tell you something. They didn't talk to me for about 10 or 15 years. That's not bold. That's stupid. Ignorance, that's not boldness. Boldness would have been me continually living for God, me continually loving God, taking a stand, not compromising, not going to the party, not doing this because that's not the kind of environment that God made me for, developed me for. God put a new spirit inside of me. God changed me. And I realized since God changed me, my family started to change as well. I started seeing a cascade of blessings coming in and being bold would have been standing firm where I'm at, being what I am in private, in public. A private relationship will bring a a public anointing but you can counter that by being true in private but a hypocrite in public because of peer pressure. Peer pressure, that's all it's about. Peer pressure. We think we have to compromise to get ahead and get a promotion. No, 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 no. Joseph did not have to compromise his standards and his convictions for who he really was, a child of God, an Israelite in the middle of Egypt. But he stood firm. He was bold enough. He wasn't bold by telling off Potiphar's wife. He was bold enough to run away from her. You understand the difference? Well, let me read you what Paul said. Paul wrote this to the to Romans 1 and 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1. Listen to what it says. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Do you all have that scripture? Throw it up there if you've got it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes. It is the power of God, the gospel is, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in the righteous, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. But did you catch that? He said, in that, not being ashamed, living for God, taking a stand, not protesting, but protecting. Not protesting, but protecting. And by not being ashamed of what God's called you to be. Are there any believers that are unashamed in this building? Now, I'm not saying go to H-E-B and start shouting in aisle five. I'm not saying get out there and act crazy, but stand for something. Don't be ashamed of it because Paul said it's from that kind of obedience that righteousness comes and my faith 
is added to other people's faith from faith to faith. My faith grows from faith to faith, but it's not just my faith. It's the faith of others that are in your family, the faith of others that are around you. Trust me, people want you to live for God. They want you, your family wants you to live for God. Your friends want you to live for God. I promise you, especially if they know you are praying for them, they need the blessings of God in their life if they're not going to church or doing anything. I, I think that you are the light of the world. I know that you are, but I think that if, if hell can just put out your wick, That that light, when you don't feel it shining, it makes you a miserable person. Folks, can I give you a secret? You want to meet someone who is miserable? I'm talking miserable. It will be a Christian, man or woman, or even child, believe me, that knows who they are, Lord, they're not walking it out. The most unhappy people I've ever met in my life are Christian people who aren't being obedient to God. Miserable. Oh my God, attitude. Always angry. Because they tasted and seen that God is so good and nothing else can satisfy them like the love of God and the, and the joy of God and the peace of God. It is nothing comes close to that. Nothing comes close. Paul was radically changed by the power of God. Therefore, his world was radically changed for the glory of God. Paul was a fanatic in the world. Paul was a fanatic in the religious world. Paul was a fanatic for, 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 for the government. But when Paul got saved, or Saul got saved, he had his name changed to Paul. And then he was radical for Jesus and the church, and he wrote more books than any other person in the New Testament, and he started more churches than any other apostle, and he was more, I'm going to say, revelatory. He had more revelation than any other apostle that we know of in the Scripture because he had a radical experience. God saved him, and he didn't, just didn't walk away from that. He built on it. He stayed attached to it. He continued to live. He continued to love. He continued to be what God called him to be. If you want to see God elevate you, if you want to see promotion, if you want to see the blessings, if you want to see it cascade out of your life into the lives of other people in your, in your, in your realm of influence, then remember and build on the first time God saved you. And don't forget it. Don't stay there, but don't forget the first time you had your encounter with God. Don't forget where God brought you from. Don't forget who you used to be before God found you. And when you feel like giving up, always remember why you said yes the first time. Because in your first encounter with God, you said, as for me and my house, I want them to serve the Lord. Don't forget that. It wasn't just about you. It was about your future and your future generations. And it's so much tied to you. I want you to turn to somebody, look at them, and tell them you are an influencer 
What happens to you and in you affects a lot of people. It does. Blessed, listen to this, if the leaders of our homes resist change in their life, in their own life, if the leaders of our homes resist change in their own life, then those underneath their leadership will remain the same. If the leaders of our homes are going to resist change and always make excuses not to live for God or not to do this, always an excuse, then you are never going to see change in your family, and that does not mean that they have to be living in your house. Because God's hand moves beyond. God, you live for God in your home. Your private relationship with God grows. The Spirit of God knows no limitations and boundaries. He has put a GPS coordinates around your children, and they are getting instant instant access to the things that are happening in their life. And they may not recognize it, but I promise you, the mercy of the Lord endures forever. His grace is everlasting. His grace abounds. It is greater than any other thing that you can face in this world. God's grace is the most powerful force that anybody can reckon with in this world, and it has no boundaries. When you stand for God, nothing can resist him. Nothing and no one can resist him. God's spirit will continually deal with them. God's spirit will continually deal with those around you that aren't your friends. You want to know how to get rid of your enemies? Someone said this one time, make a friend out of them. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes his enemies to be at peace with him. That means that God takes care of it for you just by you obeying him, loving him, standing for him. It's that simple. When, when, when parents ask me about what, how do I handle my children, number one, have you let God handle you because you're a child of God too? And if you, oh my God, here we go. Are you ready? Can I say this? Is this okay? Raise your hand if you want to hear it. Okay, you asked for it. Here it goes. You're, you want your children to change, but you're also a child of God, and you won't change. Don't expect God to change them. Yeah, that's good stuff, boy. It's like James Bond up here. Gotcha. That's how it works. You want to change your family, but you're a child of God also, and you have to let God change you. It has to happen that way. And it runs in the family. I'm telling you, it runs in the family. It runs in the family. Blessed families have strong leaders. Strong leaders have a strong relationship with Jesus. And it will carry over to the next generation. It will carry over. Listen to this. 2 Timothy. Throw this up. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. He said, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. He said, I've seen it before. I'm reminded of it, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. How did that happen? 
There was a transfer. There was a transfer. It was a protection. Watch this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God. Now he's telling him the secret. If you want to keep the legacy, fan the flame. You want more fire? It's simple. Protect it from being damp and watered down and fan it. Man, have you ever tried to barbecue in the rain? How many of you men ever taken an umbrella, put it over the pit, and started fanning it? Nobody? When you're desperate, when you want something, when you really want something, you'll put protection and you'll build what you're trying to get hotter. It's just the way it is. But you see, God's protection needs to be over your life. And he also said, fan the flame. You want a wife? I, I want a wife. I, I mean, I got a wife. But, but what I'm saying, <laughs> let me finish that sentence first, okay? <laughs> let me finish that sentence. If, let me just say this. If you want a wife that's on fire for God, don't expect her to be on fire if you're damp. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not calling anybody out. Keep looking forward like this. You understand what I'm saying? Fan the flame, Timothy. Listen, which, which you have in you, the gift, it came on through the laying on of hands. For God, verse 7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. That's what you have today. A spirit of power, love, and self-control. Power, love, and self-control. Uh, let me see. They updated the program, and I don't know if I got it right. I got it. Here's how it works. So let me see if I can get this right, this new setup here. Oh, let's go back. I could do it. Jesus. He's the covering. He's the first one. But right in here, right in here. In between here, this is relationship. What keeps me connected, because next in that line, Let's just say man, right? Hmm. Let's just do this. I'm going to put an M there. And this is woman. Jesus is the first in our life that we surrender to. But in between every level, in between, what connects us to each other is our relationship with him. 
But as a man, if I want God's protection, I'm going to have to surrender to him based on a relationship. And, and whatever, it, it doesn't matter, but whatever. Look at all these emojis. <laughs> look at all that. If I want protection, from the storm, from the wind. I need to get under somebody's covering. And then when I have a good relationship with my wife, guess what happens? This right here, this covers me. But I was closed before, but you have to open up yourself. Open it up. Open up yourself. Then as you open up yourself to Jesus... You're going to connect. If you connect with your wife, you're now over her. And I'm not talking about over her as, as what we misinterpret the Scripture as being, you know, the head. Let's read that Scripture. Turn, grab your Bibles. I want to clarify this real quick. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 through your Bible. Come on. There's been a lot of, a lot of just, I, men have an idea that whenever the wife doesn't do exactly what they say, they always revert back to the scripture. And women always revert back to the scripture too when the husband doesn't do what she wants. When Christ died and gave his life for the church, I don't see you dying. You'd be dead if I didn't make you supper. Are you ready? Verse 11. Now I commend you because you remembered me and everything and maintained the traditions that I have, that, that as, as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. It did not say for us to abuse those relationships and hierarchy of authority. It simply gave the order and what that scripture was actually trying to say is, is that Christ, because of the shed blood, he is our protection when we surrender to him through a relationship we benefit from that protection. A man and a woman, when they are joined together, the leaders of the family, then there is a God-given protection because he's connected to Christ. And whatever spirit or strength and purpose that he has in his life will be carried on to this life and vice versa. But this right here covers the woman and the woman gains her strength and protection from the man. This is why, wives, when, you're getting, when your husband's giving you trouble, the first thing you've got to do is go talk to his covering. Talk to the boss. Everybody needs to go to the boss. 
He said, I am the door. He said, he had an open door policy. But right here, now understand that protection goes down and it goes to the children right here, which is everything we live for. Everything we do is around this. See, the anointing flows, but we need the element of protection to withstand things, to keep certain things out of our life. This is why you should never, ever think because you haven't seen a miracle that God doesn't exist. You know, God sometimes, when, when, when people have been kept safe and together for years, it's because they've been under the banner and the protection of God, living for God. They're under the banner of Jesus Christ. Anybody that stands outside of that, it's going to succumb to just different attacks and danger. That's why the most important thing you can do in your life at whatever stage you're in is to be under Jesus. But you can never make someone follow you. You can't do that. Hey, the Bible says I'm the head of you, man. The Bible they're going to look at you like, what? I know what the Bible says, but you're not living it. <laughs> you want this to respect you? Respect him. Right? I promise you. I promise you. You'll fall in love with him. The protection for your family comes in. The blessings you can work in favor, and God reward all things. And when they do come against you, God will dry them off again. God will. I'm stuck on this for a moment because I want us all to understand this. We make it so hard. We complicate it, but God made it simple. And I promise you, this will carry on. You have to teach this model to your children. It's not about, it's not about you don't become the head of the house. You're given a... a let me, let me rephrase that. You don't become the leader of your home because there's a difference between a title and actually what's taking place. Every, anybody can be given a title. Anybody. I'm, 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 I'm slowing down. I'm coming to an end, okay? In fact, Kaylee, come on up here and sit just so they'll believe me. <laughs> Nobody earns the right just by giving them a title to lead. You earn the right by loving, sacrificing, caring, giving. And if nothing changes, you leave it up to God. He'll take care of it. Go talk to him. Let him handle that. But this whole purpose was meant so that same anointing and protection can be taught to your children. I protect my wife, and I'm recovering because I love her. She chooses to be under my leadership because she loves me and respects me. But I promise you, this lady right here, if I was a hypocrite or if I did something contrary to what I'm saying up here and was any kind of a different man, she's the type of lady, she, she's not going to mess around. She's gone. Would you? I mean, honestly. 
if 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 I was a if I was a a man a a, a, a woman beater, if I was a, a hypocrite, if I came up here after a long day of sharing God's word and went home and drank, would you respect me? And partied and cussed and did all that. Would you respect me? You probably wouldn't follow after me. I'm not going to. You can say yes or no. No, my. <laughs> can I ask you a question? Would you come to this church if you knew I lived a double life? Raise your hand if you wouldn't come to this church. And just be honest. If you knew that Pastor Bobby, after he got up here and started preaching, went out there and started doing something different that you see your other friends doing that aren't going nowhere near the church, what would you think? You want me living for God. You want me praying every day. You want me fasting. You want, why? Because there's an anointing that flows. There's a spirit of anointing that comes into your life. And if you want that in your family, every single leader and every person has to live it. They're just children. Don't blame it on them. They're doing exactly what you're doing. Listen, the apple never falls far from the tree, folks. It does not. But if you'll just let your focus be on Jesus, he'll produce good fruit in your life. And when it falls, the, the fruit should always land near the roots, the root of your faith. So whatever you're producing, whatever comes out of your family, whatever comes out of your home, will always, if, it's, if you've got good fruit, it'll be good fruit. And It'll, it'll remain at the roots because what's inside of them was put inside of you. As long as you keep Jesus the root. Listen to this. David, the, David wasn't perfect, right? Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. But yet Jesus still acknowledged David as part of his root. Jesus said this, I, Jesus, have, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. He said, I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the root and the offspring of David. I come from his family, and I'm not ashamed to come from his family because he worshiped God. He wasn't ashamed of God, and he picked up the same attributes, and God continued that same anointing up into the time of Christ and to his time. And he wasn't ashamed. This is my family. This is where I come from. This is who I am. We're not ashamed. We've got the blessings of God in our life. We have the protection of God in our life. God is never going to fail us. We go through battles, but we win them every single time because our God is our banner. He is our strength. He's under, we're under his covering and vice versa. We continue the same process. Paul said, follow me as I what? Follow Christ. And that's it. The secret to a blessed family starts from the top. Starts from the top. It starts from the top. David wasn't perfect, but out of his loins came the king of kings and the lord of lords. He made mistakes. He failed. I mean, bad. He felt bad. How many of you know the story of David? That dude messed up bad. And yet... He knew and trusted in the mercies of God, and he understood that God's not looking for perfect people. 
He's looking just for faithful people, people who won't give up. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. Come on, Haley. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. All that matters is, is that you are going to continue to surrender your life to Jesus tomorrow. I'm not saying next month. Tomorrow. Later on today, tonight, you're going to surrender your life to Him. And you got to take a stand. And you can't be embarrassed to take a stand. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.